You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Locked On Balls. It's your team every day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Kane, and got a fun Friday show planned out for you today. I'll give you practice highlights, my analysis, what I saw uh, from Thursday's morning practice here in segment number one. In segment number two, David Shealy of WBIR-TV here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and our friend from Tegna uh, will hop on the show to give his thoughts on what he's seen so far in Tennessee spring practice, that's uh, Tennessee fall practice. That's coming up in segment two. And in segment three, we will discuss Tennessee's Latest commit, the 14th for the class of 2022. His name is Charles Nimrod. Yes, yes, I said that right. Charles Nimrod. That is your Friday show, and we get you set for the weekend right here on Locked On Balls. Before we get into the content, I want to remind you guys about Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. You can follow Locked On SEC, that podcast. It's available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Chris does a fantastic job, gets some fantastic guests. When you're not listening to Locked On Vols, give Locked On SEC a try today. So fall camp practice number two, it's, uh, it has come, it has gone. And my biggest takeaway from practice number two was just how Tennessee could use Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton more freely in this offense compared to, to maybe a Harrison Bailey. And of course, it's a four-man competition right now, but I do believe it's going to come down to between those three. And again, that doesn't mean that Harrison Bailey can't play because I think that he's improved a lot from his true freshman season. I think that um, you saw flashes of that in spring, and I think, I think you've seen flashes of that so far here early in camp. But the dual-threat mentality, the dual-threat ability from Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton really give this offense just another edge. What I mean by that is you're not going to call a read option for, for for Harrison Bailey. You're just not. That's not really in his arsenal. But Hendon Hooker can do it, and he did it in practice on Thursday and took one to the house. Joe Milton can do it. Um, I've seen him do it a little bit in practice as well. And then you know whenever you pull that back and keep it, and you got a linebacker coming down off the edge to try to make that tackle against Joe Milton, who looks like a linebacker, yeah, it's it's going to be challenging. And so during inside run, the portions of inside run and, and, and a little bit 11-on-11 that we saw when we were at practice on Thursday, Tennessee doubted it up a couple of times for Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton like that. And one time, again, like I said, Hendon Hooker went to the house for about 40 yards. And so that's impressive. Now, it doesn't mean anything if Harrison Bailey is out throwing those two guys. If Harrison Bailey is more consistent, if Harrison Bailey is processing the offense at a faster rate, it doesn't matter because Joey Halsey, Alex Golish, Josh Heupel – they will mold the offense around whoever the quarterback is. And they've done it before. They did it. Uh, Josh Heupel did that when he went to UCF with McKenzie Milton. And then with uh, Dylan Gabriel, just completely, didn't completely change, but you know, allowed things to open back up and the offense evolved around the quarterback. And keep in mind, too, if, if you know, for, for the Harrison Bailey doubters, you know, jo- Josh Heupel has coached up Sam Bradford. He's coached up Drew Locke. Okay. He's coached up some guys that aren't your – and Drew Locke's got some wheels on a little bit, but not your prototypical dual-threat guys, meaning they try to call plays that incorporate the legs and, and stuff like that. So that was my biggest takeaway from spring practice – gosh, I keep saying spring practice. I don't know why I'm doing that. From fall camp practice number two, we'll have to see. Of course, it's still early on. They were just in helmets. Again, they're in that um, acclimation period right now to where they have to go two days in helmets, likely two days in shelves, and then they get into full pads – a little later on. So uh, some other notes that I had, um, you know, this is typical for camp. 
again, it's in the morning, but it's it's still you're out there, you're busting your tail, um, you know, high reps. You're there. You can train all off season. You can run all the sprints you want, but nothing prepares you for the grind of what a what a what a football practice will be. And so I saw a lot of guys that were tired, a lot of guys that were um, up chucking a bit, <laughs> and uh, you know, just kind of going through it. But again, that is that's completely normal for football. You see that. All the time. That's just kind of kind of how it is. I mentioned the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks flipped in order from month from Wednesday to Thursday. On Thursday or on on Wednesday rather, they went a lowest number to highest number. So Hooker was first, Milton was second, Bailey was third, Maurer was fourth. On Thursday they flipped it and they went from highest number to lowest number. So it was Maurer, it was Bailey, it was Milton, it was Hooker. Okay. Of course, Mauer's number 18, Harrison Bailey's number 15, Joe Milton 7, Hendon Hooker's 5. There's not a clear pecking order right now. In spring, they continue to let uh, one guy get reps with the ones each and every day, then they change out the next day. Now, that won't last much longer. You've got to narrow it down to two guys moving forward at some point, and then from there, narrow it down to one guy, and find, then that's when you'll find your guys. So when will that be? Maybe it'll be next week. Alex Golish wants it to be next week, that is for sure. But clearly, there's no starter in mind. Um, Javonta Payton looked really good on air. He was smooth running routes here in one-on-ones. Payton, who was banged up a little bit on Wednesday, didn't look to be limited at all on Thursday when we were in practice. Jalen Hyatt roasted a couple of guys in one-on-ones, and uh, it's kind of funny. He walked by uh, the group of people I was standing next to uh, you know, at, at, at practice, and he said, kind of looked at me because, again, I work for VolQuest, looked at some of my colleagues and said, hey, uh, that better make it into the uh, practice report today. Well, uh, there you go. <laughs> that was really, really kind of funny. Um, Princeton Fant was back at practice. Kamal Haddon was back at practice. Uh, both those guys were were dressed like everybody else, but they were working off to the side with trainers. Uh, no Trinity Bell again. Lenith Whitehead's a guy that's running back. I'm really intrigued to see what he looks like in this offense, if maybe he can make a move with the linebacker. Uh, you didn't get to see him play at all because he had a pre-existing injury when he came into, into college last year. He was wearing a black jersey all spring. Doesn't have a black jersey on today or really so far, but I haven't seen him take a rep yet. Like, he'll go through Indy, he'll go through all that type of stuff, but when they go into team-centric drills, I haven't seen him take a rep yet. So, intrigued to see if maybe he's just not getting reps right now in practice or if he's being held out for some reason. We'll have to uh, we'll have to kind of see. Um, I do want to mention a couple other things. I thought Theo Jackson had kind of a rough day. He was It was a challenge for him to cover some guys in one-on-ones. Um, Cade Mays, he absolutely pancaked Juwan Mitchell in inside run. Um, they were they were getting after bullets were flying around and um, welcome to the SEC right Juwan Mitchell came up tried to make his fit Cade Mays pancaked him coming off right tackle so thought that was uh, kind of interesting Jeremy Banks again I'm hard on Banks saw a couple reps today and I'm saying okay there's something you can build on not running underneath blockers running over the top take taking on your fits extension trying to find the ball carrier I saw a little bit of that from Jeremy Banks today and. That would be big for Tennessee. That would be big for sure. So I was uh, kind of impressed with that. As far as the offensive line is concerned, you know, again, it's kind of a hodgepodge. Right now it's clearly Dane Davis at left tackle. Right now Cade Mays is at right tackle. Um, will Cade Mays play the interior guards? You hope so, but right now it's Cade Mays at right tackle. K-Ron Calvert's been repping at right tackle. Darnell Wright has been repping at left tackle, but I think there's some separation there between Dane Davis and Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright, who's lost some weight coming into this fall camp for sure. He's never played left tackle at Tennessee, so 
Uh, that would be quite the adjustment for him. Uh, Cooper Mays has been your center. On Thursday, they were kind of mixing and matching the guards a little bit, but it looks like Jerome Carvin and Javante Spragans are your top two guards still. Um, on defense, again, it's kind of a hodgepodge. If you practice in spring, you were out there, then you're usually repping with the ones or the twos. Don't pay attention to um, the ones and the, the twos right now because order doesn't mean anything. Paige Garland and, um, or excuse me, Sullen Page and, and, um, Quasi Garland was still the, the top two linebackers out there on Thursday, but obviously it's going to be Banks and Mitchell and, and some other guys. Uh, Brandon Turnage is still practicing third string cornerback. He will not be third string cornerback much longer. Uh, you kind of you, you kind of get the drift there. So uh, those were kind of my notes from practice number two Thursday. Again, the quarterbacks, nothing. I still think it's you know no one's really. I mean, I've been impressed by Milton just because I haven't seen him before. I was impressed with with uh, Hendon Hooker today. I mean, he continues to be consistent. I think they're all throwing the ball about the same right now. Um, the physical makeup from Joe Milton is out of this world. He throws the hardest ball, no doubt. Um, remember when we talked to Isaiah Hull of uh, the USA Today, USA Today Network, and he was talking about how some coaches thought um, that uh, Joe Milton could have Heisman-like you know, capabilities at, at Michigan. I, I see it from a structural standpoint, from a mechanical standpoint, from a makeup. Again, I haven't seen him play enough. And plus, he was injured last year. I'm not saying that's the reason why he faltered down the stretch, but from a guy that's had a torn ligament in his thumb, it hurts like a son of a, you know. And um, Joe Milton had two. And so that that's that's finally healed up and ready to go. So I've been, I've been impressed with Joe Milton. I was impressed with Hendon Hooker with his ability to run the football and practice on Thursday. I still think they're all throwing about the same. I still think the best. I still think the best throw I've seen all week has been from Harrison Bailey on Wednesday. So that's kind of where I am right now. I'll continue to update on you what I believe, what I see in the quarterbacks uh, moving forward as we get back to practice on Friday. I'll tweet it out underscore Caner, but I'll tell you on on Monday's show. So that's going to do it here for this segment of Locked On Vols. We'll have David Sheely of WBR-TV coming up in segment number two. But first, let me remind you about Built Bar. All right, so I'm cutting back on some things. I am uh, trying to get more protein in my diet. And one thing I am indulging in, one thing that is helping me out a lot, is the delicious treats from Built Bar. Again, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, Salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, cherry, and coconut. Do you know what my favorite flavor is? Well, I've told you guys this plenty of times. It is cookies and cream. What is your favorite flavor? Do you not know? Well, order a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of these bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're all amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and perfect for that health-conscious guy or gal. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. It's at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Back here on a Friday Locked On Vols, and I want to invite our, our good friends from Tegna over to give their Vol thoughts here on a Friday morning. And we have David Sheely, WBIR, Tegna here in Knoxville. And hey, David, two days into camp, kind of what are the big takeaways? I know everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. Does it start there for you? What have you seen so far? Well, I think one of the things that's being a little bit overlooked is that this offense wants to go fast, yes, but they also want to stretch the field. They want to go deep. Well, I'm watching one-on-ones, and I'm not seeing deep passes completed. I think I counted one completed deep pass, and that was really Valus Jones Jr. making a great catch more so than a, a good throw. Um, I'm seeing a lot of overthrows. I'm seeing some, you know, just straight up missing. Seeing, seeing a little bit of drops. Um, it's early, so you can take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure they'll get better at that throughout the season. But if that's something that they, that they want to do, they're going to have to show that a little bit early and just improve upon that. And right now it's not looking too good. But, again, just take that with a grain of salt. But, uh, you know, I'm taking a look at the quarterbacks. I played quarterback, so naturally that's what I'm looking at. Who's got the most spin on the ball? It's Milton. Um, and, and Milton has obviously the strongest arm. He's the biggest guy. Um, I, I can only imagine that it's going to be pretty hard to take him down if they want to use him in the running game as well. And uh, Also, I'm taking a look at what toll is that taking on the defense. The defense is getting a little bit winded, but you know what? That's probably going to happen to every defense Tennessee plays. But I, I tell you what, this offense does have a lot of potential to it. I, I can say that. I can, I can see that guys are excited. I can see that guys are willing to learn this playbook, dive deep into it, and just get better at it every day. Um, it's just all about execution on the field now. So, yeah, I want to ask you a quarterback question. It's something that we talked about on this podcast yesterday after seeing practice number one. Uh, Joe Milton, he's who everybody's watching because we haven't seen him so far, so that makes complete sense. But, you know, mechanically impressive, arm impressive, physical makeup impressive. But something I noticed was, I mean, he was throwing 98-mile-per-hour fastballs there on slants and ends. I mean, when do you – kind of like what Jimmy was asking Josh Heupel yesterday, when do you decipher between touch and when to really hurl it in there? You know what? As a a QB – that is a thing that you need to have with your receivers. So, of course, when I played, defenders were a lot slower. It was high school, right? So defenders are a lot slower. In college, guys are faster, right? Linebackers are a little bit faster. If you got a guy going over the middle, well, the window's a little bit tighter. So you do have to put a little bit more zip in it. Um, when a guy's going up deep, you got to have a little bit of touch. And I tell you what, you, you really just have to decipher that, and you have to have that chemistry with your receivers. How fast are your backs? How fast are your guys outside? How fast is your tight end? What's their jump like? You know, that also helps. Like, you know, think back to, like, Marquez Callaway. Sometimes you can just put that thing up there and he just go and get it. Um, With a guy like Jalen Hyatt, he's got that speed. Well, where can you – what zone can you throw it to where you think he can go get it? So I think that comes down to that. That determines, really, is it zip or is it touch? Um, Because it's not as as simple as, well, this is a – you know, it's an outside corner. So I'm going to put a little touch over the top. You know, it's going to be a touch over the top of the, of the linebacker and underneath the safety. Well, yes, but depending on your receiver, do you need to put more zip on it or do you need to add a little bit more touch? Um, and that's, you know, again, it's up to chemistry and it's up to um, what you can do as a quarterback, you know, what you're comfortable with because ultimately your quarterback has to be comfortable making th- the throws that you need him to for the offense to keep the chains moving. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This coaching staff and Heupel, he's done in the past. You can adjust to who's out there playing quarterback. Yeah, Mackenzie Milton adjusted that quarterback. He's different from Gabriel. If it is Harrison Bailey, he's a different style quarterback than the other three that are in this competition. But is there any doubt in your mind that this offense can still go with the way they want it to if it is a guy like Harrison Bailey who's a little bit more immobile? It can, but I really think this offense would benefit, especially this year, with the guy who can use his legs. Um, the better plays that I saw during the team portion 
were the plays where either Milton or Hooker took off and they were getting about 20 yards down the field. Those were like the best plays. Even in the spring game, you think back to the spring game, there were some deep passes completed, which was nice. But other than that, the better plays happened to be when guys were, when the ball was on the ground. Um, so running the ball, quarterbacks keeping the ball, just using their athleticism, that's going to put Tennessee in the best position to move the chains. I think the biggest concern for me right now is getting behind the chains on early downs. That's what's really going to hurt this team. They want to go fast. Well, that means they want to go first and 10 to second and four to maybe third and inches. You know, maybe uh, maybe just another first down and just avoid third down altogether. That, to me, is a great drive when you can just avoid third down, just go first, second, all the way down the field. But um, you can't go from first and 10 to second and 12 to third and eight and then off the field. You know what I mean? And to be honest with you, just relying on the passing game and trying to just – um, hand it off up the middle if you're just doing all these read options. I mean, there's only so much you can really do. So um, I like Bailey a lot. But for this year, I think Tennessee may be at its best when there's a guy who can use his legs and can be a true dual threat. David Sheely, our friend from the Tegna family of WBR-TV here in Knoxville. And uh, i got one more question for you. We'll shift gears over to the defense a little bit. And I like you, man. I, I like this offense when it's going. Um, as the uh, motorcycle drives by. I like this offense as it's going, but when it's not clicking, it can really put your defense in a bind. Having said that, the numbers look so much better now than where it was in the spring. The inside linebacker room looks completely different. you got two transfers to come in and help at all layers of the defense. Um, is that your biggest takeaway so far? What else have you noticed about the defense? Again, so early in camp, not even in pads yet, just in helmets, and really the ones, twos, threes, that don't mean a thing right now. Yeah, you like I said, you can take every rep with a grain of salt right now. I mean, it's it's way too early. Um, and some guys are just really good practice players. Some guys aren't the best practice players. But when it comes to what they do inside of stadiums on a Saturday. Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Josh Dobbs. Um, what they do on a Saturday or really a Thursday because that's the first game. That's what matters. Uh, but as you, you said, you're a former defensive guy. I played a little bit of safety. You know what? The worst thing that could happen for us as defensive guys is the offense going three and out accelerated you know so with this offense being fast paced again they go first and 10 second and 12 now it's third and eight boom they're off the field and you look up there's only been 45 seconds off the clock you're right back on the field what if the other team just completed a 12 play drive you know 12 plays 75 yards for a touchdown you're like dang i gotta get right back on this field because they want to go fast they want to push that tempo so um that's what I'm really going to be looking for, and I can't really get an answer to that until the season starts. Um, but as of now, it's all about, hey, can the defense at least keep pace? As they go into the deeper reps, right, like the first play, sure, they're ready to go. But when they get to play eight, right, and it's still like, dang, they're still going fast. They're no. still not huddling. They're still not slowing down. Can they keep up? You know, and, and right now I think that they're doing a pretty decent job. It's not bad. I'm seeing some good plays from the defensive backs. Um, I'm very Im- impressed with Flowers right now, Trayvon Flowers. He, he looks very good, very sticky. Um, that's what I like to use. And, and to be honest, I don't think there's going to be many offenses that they go against that are going to be just that fast. Like if they played like Georgia Southern this year, who runs a triple option? Ole Miss, like, will, be know, the, Ole Miss will be the closest one. That, exactly. So you, you, don't, you don't really have to worry about speed so much. So they'll be in great shape. Um, I just think the concern is right now, what if another team goes on a 13-play, 80-yard drive, ends in a touchdown, and you're sitting there like, ah, okay, that was a long drive. Next thing you know, your offense goes three and out with that fast pace, and you're right back on the field. And, you know, doing that for four quarters sounds like a very, very long day. 
A big thanks to David Sheely over at WBR-TV here in Knoxville, our friends at Tegna for joining the show. At Deacon underscore Sheely on Twitter, you can give him a follow. All right, coming up to end our show in segment number three, we'll take a look at Tennessee's newest commit for the class of 2022. His name is Charles Nimrod. We'll have the breakdown in segment three when we return here on Locked on Vols. Back here for segment number three of a Friday show. Guys, the week has flown by Tennessee football camp. It's officially here. We've been talking media availabilities from Josh Heupel, from the coordinators, from players. We've seen two practices. It is full speed ahead, and we will continue this football coverage all throughout next week and beyond. Don't you worry about that. So want to shift gears, we'll go away from hashtag camp season, and we will move back to the recruiting trail where Tennessee picked up its 14th commit for the 2022 class. His name is Charles Nimrod, and this is kind of an under-the-radar pick here, in my opinion, or because uh, Charles Nimrod, he's a three-star, six-foot-three, 180 pounds. He's got really good length. He's from Bent- Bentonville, or Bitonville. I don't know how you pronounce that. Arkansas, okay? He's the the fifth-rated prospect in the state of Arkansas. He's the 81st-tabbed wide receiver in the country. He owns a rivals rating of 5.7. Again, he is a three-star from Arkansas, a a wide receiver. And he came to Tennessee last Saturday, a little under the radar. I don't think a lot of people knew that he was coming here. And he did a private workout for Tennessee's coaches. Now, when you're recruiting the class that's currently right now, like the next class to sign will be class of 2022. Typically, like the classes in the future, like the 2023s and 2024s, they would come in camp and go through a camp at your school. That's where Tennessee and, and other programs usually first notice prospects, especially during this cycle. But when you want to bring in a player that's in the current cycle in 2022, A lot of times they will go and do a private workout with coaches. And that's what Charles Nimrod did last Saturday. He went in, he did a private workout with uh, Tennessee's wide receiver coach, Cody Burns, and walked out a winner, walked out, gained an offer from the University of Tennessee, and uh, he was was really jacked up and pumped up about that. He was quoted in saying this, uh, Coach Burns is from Arkansas. He's come through the same thing I have to be successful. That's what he told Valquist last week following that offer. Uh, The offer means a lot because I came here and earned it. It's Tennessee, it's a dream come true, and they are in the SEC. So again, that was Charles Nimrod following the offer from Tennessee. And then he turns around, I think that he wanted to go ahead and make make the selection. You know, there was... um, there were some other offers. There were some other committable offers in play. He had over 20 offers, but you know, he took some visits to Indiana, Kansas State, Illinois, Washington State, Utah State. Those are some some teams in the mix. I mean, you had other SEC teams who offered Nimrod, like Arkansas, of course, Tennessee, and um, yeah, I believe that's it from the SEC. But I think the factor of playing in the SEC was big. I think Nimrod wanted to play in the SEC. Again, he's grown up in this SEC footprint, um, going to school and you know playing in the state of Arkansas. And so he wanted to play in the SEC, and I think that was appealing. And so when you finally got the offer from Tennessee, you want to head ahead and pull the trigger uh, just a couple of days later. So how does it break down for the class of 2022? Well, it's the 14th commit for Josh Heupel in 2022, and it is the the 10th offensive pledge, and the third wide receiver. It's the third commit of the week for the Vols, joining Addison Nichols uh, as well as Caleb Perry for this class of 2022. Again, I mentioned six foot three, 180 pounds, had over 20 offers. And this is from 
his high school coach. I caught up with Jody Grant, the uh, head coach at Bentonville High School. If I'm mispronouncing that, I, I do apologize. Caught up with him, asking what type of player is he. Tell me a little bit about Charles Nimrod, and this is what Jody Grant had to say. Quote, he's a great player. He has the frame and work ethic. He has top-level speed. He catches the ball really well. In the state of Arkansas, I think he's as elite as they come. I think he will be a great fit. He's just a good kid with a good spirit. He checks all the boxes and what you're looking for in a high-level receiver. He's going to go up and get the football. He can go up and get a post ball. He's going to get, uh, he's going to get open in the interior routes. Uh, he's good in the screen game. He's just a good overall player. He goes on. He's a very selfless individual who will help mold well with the culture that's already being created there. His work, ethic, his work ethic is good. He is a likable kid, and it's easy to have a conversation with him. He's just a guy that people love to be around. Again, that's from, in quote, that's from his uh, head coach in high school, Jody Grant. So what more about Nimrod? Because, again, I, I cover recruiting, and I'm going to be honest with you, he's the name that flew under the radar for me. I Not like I heard of him for the first time uh, on Thursday, but he's still a name that flies under the, the radar for me. But tell me about Nimrod. Well, if you study his tape and you know talking with people, uh, he's a guy that does a really nice job at, at the at the landscape that he's on. He's, he's the biggest, fastest, strongest guy I mean, he's going to play in the SEC, right? So typically, that's that's usually what it is. He lines up on the outside. He lines up in the slot, the skinny slot. He can line up in tandems as well. He's very dangerous in the down-the-field passing game because he has long strides. He's got good speed, okay? Um, but he does a really nice job adjusting to uh, the football. He's even, I don't want to say more impressive. He's probably equally as impressive when the ball is not in his hands. Uh, why? Well, he does a great job of blocking down the field, especially out there on the edge for his running backs or his fellow wide receivers. And when he's when he's not the primary target and he's running like a like a drag across the field or an end, he will just continue to get deeper and deeper and gain depth and depth and depth in that route and continue to work across the middle of the field to the far hash. That way, if the play is still going and the quarterback has to roll out or evades pressure, he can find him down the field and. Though you were the primary target there, you kept you kept running around creating depth, and then you're opening. You got a big gain, so I think that that is a, a really really cool thing that uh, that Nimrod does. So uh, he's also a threat in special teams. He's a returner, kick returner. Uh, his huddle film shows him returning a couple kickoffs back uh, for touchdown. He's also a really good blocker. I've seen him pancake a few guys on uh, on kickoff return team at wide receiver. Uh, that's kind of where you see that selfless attitude his coach was uh, was talking about. So uh, Cody Burns, the phrase he used to describe Nimrod following that workout a couple weeks ago was twitchy and coachable, a wideout who can stretch the field vertically. Again, that's from a previous story we did on VolQuest about a week ago. All right, so again, I mentioned he is the third wide receiver commit of the class. He's 14th commit of the class. He's the 10th offensive pledge. Well, who are those other wide receiver commits for 2022 for Tennessee? McQuarrie's Squirrel White and Cameron Miller. Overall, Taven Jackson, the quarterback of this class, now has five skilled position players to work with. You've got those three receivers. You've got uh, Dylan Sampson at at running back, and you got Brody Foley at tight end, and then you have four other offensive linemen uh, to go along with it. So, you know, that's that's a little bit about Charles Nimrod. I think he'll have a chance to come in and compete for snaps because I think Josh Heupel will play a lot of wide receivers. But the thing about any wide receiver coming in in the class of 2022, it's going to be a position that has uh, plenty of guys already there. You're going to lose Valus Jones Jr. You might, you'll probably lose Javonta Payton. What about Cedric Tillman? What's going on there? But, I mean, those are really just the only guys, unless 
you know, players leave for the transfer portal, which is always a possibility now. I mean, Tennessee returns a, a bunch of wide receivers, and so Nimrod can go in there and compete, but he's going to be competing with a lot of guys, but he can go in there and be a depth piece as well for sure. Um, all right, so th- that's it. That's Charles Nimrod. Again, six foot three, 180 pounds, a three-star wide receiver from the state of Arkansas, the latest Tennessee football commit. You guys remember whenever it took Josh Heupel forever just to get his first commit for the class of 2022? I'm not saying this is a good class because really it's it's not in the terms of rankings, but 14 commits already. So, uh, or, you know, blink of an eye now as we head in towards the month of August, 14 commits. So that's that's pretty cool. All right, that's going to do it for a week's worth of Locked On Vaults. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in, getting your day started with me, whether you're working out, whether you're sitting in the cubicle, whether you're commuting to work. However you take in this podcast, I thank you. I know you guys have a passion for Tennessee football, and that's why I try to bring you the best Tennessee football coverage I possibly can, letting you hear audio, letting you get my analysis, letting you hear from others as well. All that, trying to put on the best show possible for you guys, and I'll continue to do that next week as fall camp continues. We're done with Locked On Balls here. Let's check out Locked On Bets. Betting on football, the SEC, it doesn't have to be a guessing game any longer. You can listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. It's wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, I've enjoyed it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys again on Monday. 